Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we're back for another episode, and I'm here with a new friend of mine, Michelle Garayua. Thank you so much, Michelle, for making time for the Boca Podcast today. For sure. I'm so happy to be here. I love everything you share. And and that's very generous of you. We were actually talking before we started recording about the fact that you said you have a three-hour commute to take your kids to school every day in the D.C. traffic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thanks to DC. We um we found a very special school for our eldest. He's um has mild special needs, so we wanted a play-based program for him. Yeah. And so he's just thriving. He's doing so great. So ain't broke, don't fix it. We oh, moved, we bought awesome. a house, and we just said we're gonna make it work. I got a little hybrid and it's about 45 minutes to drop him off. And then I turn around and come back home and then I go pick him up at two every day. So wow. it's three hours a day. That is a massive yeah. commitment. But seriously, props for you or to you and your husband both for making that commitment. To I mean, I mean, I guess it's a natural thing to do for our kids to do whatever we can to help them. But I'm glad, so glad to hear that that's working to his favor. And and then you mentioned taking advantage of that time to listen to the podcast. And I don't for those of you listening in, whether you listen to the podcast at home while you're working or if you listen in the car or maybe in the plane if you if you travel a good bit, I appreciate you listening in. Do make sure, I mean, some of the stuff that we're gonna be talking about today will likely put in the show notes. Haley, who edits our podcast, does a really great job of putting together show notes for each episode. So if you're listening in, make sure you go to Boca B O K E H podcast.com. And for those episodes that you're listening to, there are show notes to go along with them. Make sure you take advantage of that. And especially with the information, Michelle, that you're going to be sharing with us today. You said there's so much information to go through. You're mentioning that to me before we started. And um, there there are going to be plenty of notes from today's conversation. So again, for those of you listening in, bocapodcast.com, check out the show notes for sure. And speaking of time and, and managing it effectively, Michelle, the first question that I normally ask our guests is about their technique for time, how they create free time for themselves amidst the kind of busyness of running a photography business. Is there something in particular that you do in your day or your week that helps create space for you and your family? For sure. You know, for me, it's about minimizing distractions mm. so that I can focus and work it at whatever I'm doing more effectively. So I start the top of my week with what I call reset Sundays. I use an old school calendar. Yeah. I color code it with everything that's going on in our life. And I take those Sunday nights to look forward and get that big picture view of what my week needs to look like. Yes. And then I transfer everything from the monthly view into that particular week. And in the left side of the margin, I will write on my to-do list, I'll write my most important tasks right there. And then I use another technique. It's actually a tool called the Focus Keeper app. Okay. And it's so great. It allows you to work. Let's say I'll start out working 25 minutes yeah. and then it gives me a five minute break. And in my break, I actually work out in my, I call it my she cave. Um, and so I will work out. So I'll do arms, abs, legs, and I'll repeat that. And I've got, you know, exercise ball, yoga mat. Yeah free weights in there. And then I'm back to work another 25 minutes. And then I'll repeat that whole cycle. So I'll go through about four cycles and those five minute breaks, I work out. I have a YouTube channel for getting my blood pumping again. It's called workout happy. Okay. It's inspirational, upbeat, strength training, dance. And I feel like a complete idiot when I'm doing it. I close my blinds so no one can see. <laughs> <laughs> but I just don't care because it gets oxygen back to my brain. Yeah. And it's me like focus. So, and then that last five minutes, I'll try to stretch. And you know, when I'm done with that, I'm like, okay, I got two intense hours of work in today. Everything else is gravy. If I get it done, I do. If not, I move on into whatever else I need to do in my life. Okay. So I'd, I'd love for you to speak to this because I've had this theory. I mean, it's been a little while since I've run a full-time photography business, but from my experience as a professional wedding photographer for over 10 years, 
And now looking at the tools that we have in our industry in 2018, I've had this this hunch, this theory, if you will, that it really probably doesn't take any more than, let's say, 15 or 20 hours maximum for a sole proprietor, wedding photographer, or portrait photographer. Portrait photography may be a little bit different because you're shooting throughout the week, but certainly for a wedding photographer, that they don't really need to spend a whole lot more than 15 or 20 hours a week to run their business. You seem to be proof of that. Can you comment on that idea? Yeah, I think you're onto something there. I think minimizing distractions is huge. And for me, as a mom, that's why a lot of times it does take me a lot longer because if I have my kiddos mm. and working in burst mode, and then my five minute break turns into maybe an hour of mitigating toddler conflicts at my house and preschool conflicts. But in general, I think you're right. Um, I think that focused attention is what keeps you working more efficiently and on track. And then the other thing that I find really ironic, and I think you would too, is that a lot of people do decide to do a business and work for themselves. And then yet they they time block so much into their schedule and make this really rigid schedule. And then they can't go out for coffee and make mm. friends with people because they're working so hard. And I just... I just don't agree with that. I think I've got to get my two most important things off my most important tasks done. And then after that, I need to give myself that space and time to do whatever else it is that we need to do, whether it's grocery shopping or taking care of my family or meeting with another photographer for fun. So I don't know. At the same time, I'd have to kind of play devil's advocate here because I'm I'm a huge believer in, first of all, focused work time. And I've seen the benefit of it for myself. And I know that a lot of photographers suffer. Their work week suffers. I mean, the reason that they would say it takes 30, 40, 50 hours a week to run their business is because much of the time that they're allocating to business is not focused time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mentioned the idea earlier of listening to the podcast uh, during work, because that's really a kind of a commonplace behavior for people. They they turn on Netflix or the podcast or you know whatever else it might be in the background because they feel like they they need to multitask or they're going to get bored if they don't have something running in the background. That's kind of status quo. But the reality is, any comparable behavior does distract from as you were talking about this notion of focused work, and as a result, you don't necessarily work as efficiently. And it certainly can depend on the task. But when you talk about the ability to be able to spend time, to have the freedom, the flexibility to be able to spend time with friends or fellow photographers and go out for coffee, I would venture, and the reason I'd say that I'd play devil's advocate is I would venture that it's not that they're blocking off so much of their calendar for the sake of work as much as they're they're spending a lot of time working, but in a distracted manner. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they're not able to then give time to whether it's, you know, personal activities or professional mm-hmm. activities such as meeting, networking with other photographers or wedding industry vendors or whatever the case may be, that if they wanted to, they could prioritize enough to create an hour or two here and there for that type of thing. But because they're not putting in this focus work that you're talking mm-hmm. about, they don't have that flexibility. So I think this is all really, really good food for thought. I do have to ask you one more question before we, we move on. And that is, you mentioned yoga just in passing. And I've we've talked about yoga kind of on and off here in the podcast. I actually have on my to, to-do list right now um, in the research section, uh, looking at yoga and kind of how I'm going to approach my yoga practice moving forward. Do you have a particular kind of yoga that you practice? Because I'm a total newbie. I've never really actually done it other than maybe trying it with an app at one point. Is there a particular type that you practice and that you find is most helpful for you? I think that's a good question. And my background, I did gymnastics and I did dance. So I really like Pilates and I like yoga. So my very, very favorite is something called Payo or Yoga Lattes. It just depends on the studio. Okay. The best thing about that is working with a group class. It's so much fun. It's very high energy, energetic, lots of great music. And if I'm going to do one gym class a week, it's going to be yoga lattes or a Pio class. And Pio have, is, how would you spell mm-hmm. that out? Yeah. P-I-Y-O. Oh, okay. Just like that. And we'll make sure to link to all, I mean, you've mentioned a number of things already. We're going to make sure that, that we link to these things in the show notes, but Pio or yoga lattes. Got it. So much fun. Really? Wow. Okay. And do you, and you mentioned the classroom setting. I know that for me, with all the different things that I have going on, not just for work, but for example, if I, I'd love to create more space in my schedule to go ride my motorcycle or to do more things with my kids. 
Um, I'm not as apt probably to create time for a, a, a yoga class as much as just create 20 minutes at home to do that on my own. Have you found any particular apps that are helpful for that? Or did you learn some of these routines at class that you can just take and, and do at your house? Yeah, there's I there's so much on YouTube. And because of the nature of who I am and my faith, there are some Christian yoga instructors yeah. online. And I follow some, I want to say, I might have to get back with you guys about the name, but I want to say it's Caroline Williams, maybe she's in Brooklyn, New York. I might pull it up on my Instagram, but she has fantastic, even if you like this option, biblically based scripture guided meditation with yoga. Wow. I, I don't think I've ever even heard of that combination before. Oh, it's amazing because if you believe that sacred text has power, it's like, it's a great combination. So you're stretching, you're meditating, you're getting a bit of that scripture into your day, Uh which is so great for, she has a lot of different approaches. There may be a meditation and stretch routine that's good for anxiety, for example, or good for getting ready for bed or good for an easy flow to get your day started. Wow. Okay. To pull her up on Instagram. For sure. Yeah. And, and then again, we'll link to this in the show notes as well, whether we get that from you now, Michelle, or maybe Haley can connect with you later on to get that, but we'll make sure to link that link to that in the show notes as well. I know that you are, and we'll just kind of uh, jump to this here really quickly. You have the opportunity. I know your husband's in the military. You're part of, and maybe you can kind of get into this in a little bit of detail, but Milspo is, is, I mean, on your Instagram profile, which is Michelle underscore Ray underscore photography for those of you listening. And of course we'll link to this in the show notes, but uh, Millspo is, is an organization that's involved uh, with support for military spouses. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. And I have to interject just a little bit because of, I'm going to use an acronym called OPSEC. Okay. OPSEC stands for operational security. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like such a big word, but um, the reason I speak in code Millspo, other military spouses are going to know what that means. But I, in today's day and world, today's day, you have to be a little bit careful. So hmm. I may not put military spouse on every single thing. And okay. especially because we have kiddos. Yeah. It's also part of why I don't have my last name as a part of my brand. Okay. And I've, it's not just that it's difficult to say, but also just because of the nature of my husband in some of the places that he's worked and some of the things that he's done. Sure. So, but yes, Milspo is kind of our secret code for I'm a military spouse. Got it. Well, (laughs) if, if we need to edit this section out of the podcast, we can always do that. I don't want to cause any issue there. Um, but I, your, I think your ability to be able to communicate maybe comes from experience too, and your, your coaching, which you've done a little bit of. And, and, uh, I, We'll probably get into this in a little bit more detail here when we talk about our focus for today, which is strengths-based leadership and how that ties to branding. But let's kind of move on here. I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you like to spend. We talk about this idea of creating free time for yourselves, but ultimately, if we have that freedom, that flexibility, I'm curious what you like to do with that time. So before we had kiddos, my husband and I had the opportunity to do a lot of traveling, which was so much fun. And and we've been over, I mean, just so many places. We've been to Canada on his R&R from his deployment. We met in Lithuania. We went, gosh, we've been to Canada. I've said that, but on both coasts. So it's almost like two different countries. And he's been all over as well, not just for his job, but for different things that he's done. So we love to travel. And now that we have kids, of course, it's a little bit harder. It's a little more work. And of course, at this age of three and six, their interests, you know, are different. But what we do now, we're not quite as much the big travelers. We'll do smaller day trips like for Christmas instead of, you know, gifts and things and just going over the top. We're not big into that. We try to create experiences as a family. So we're planning a trip to Williamsburg, which is just up the road. And I can't wait, you know, to see their little faces light up when Mm. everybody's dressed up Mm -hmm. and caroling and just having a good time and experiencing history, even as a little 
person. They understand our eldest is very smart and he asks a lot of questions. So I think he's going to get a lot out of it. So that's, we stay at home a lot. We just bought a home and we're so grateful, you know, as a military family moving around a lot to be able to have a place to call home. You know, I joke around, but I'm going to just be honest. There aren't, there are challenges obviously with any lifestyle being married with kids, but moving around is a big one. And now that we bought a home, I say that the positive to poo ratio has flipped. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) And I love it. So now we're in our home and we love it. And we will go maybe let's say, you know, even though we try to eat like gluten-free, dairy-free, organic, non-GMO crazy stuff, but we'll go down every once in a while and we'll go to duck donuts and just walk around the outdoor mall let the kids play in the grass and cheers and we'll just relax and soak up the sunshine for us that's that's an amazing day it's simple but that's what works for us oh the simple stuff though i mean as cliche as it sounds it's it's reality the simple stuff is just what makes life sometimes and i love that you make the time to, to just be together and then also this notion of creating experiences or focusing on experiences versus a lot of physical gifts. I do the same thing with my kids. Their big gift that they get every year is a trip. And we plan something uh, as, as a Christmas gift that we're going to do together. And uh, I already have the, the trip in mind for this coming year. I'm really, really excited about it. And you know, getting to take them to a new place and to have these experiences together to create memories together. I think it's a wonderful way to spend our time together as, as human beings, as family members, um, and f- as friends for that matter too. So I, I think that's really, really great. Talk to us a little bit, and this is a new question that I've begun asking our guests, but a, a little bit about the idea of being present. And uh, we've alluded to this already, so maybe maybe we've already even answered this question, but what's one way that you've learned to be a bit more present in your day-to-day life amidst the busyness of being a photography business owner? You know, I have to laugh because this is a big struggle for me. Okay, I am just by nature, I just, um, very driven and I will see that to-do list. It stares back at me. It calls, it beckons my name. And I really (laughs) (laughs) have to fight that. I'm not going to lie. So I would think, you know, one of the biggest things that's happened to me as an individual, as a person, as a human is becoming a mom. Because when you become a mom, even in the very beginning, when you're nursing your little one, you're just there. You're in that moment. You're just present. And it started then. And it it definitely, it's just one of those things that I have to keep working on to allow myself to stop and slow mm. down yeah. and just, you know, just go for a walk after dinner or whatever, or just to be more intentional about that. But I think motherhood has definitely impacted me more than anything, you know, <laughs> We want to play Uno or Jenga. And to me, that's another part of being in the moment of just, it's very therapeutic actually. And I like to sit and watch them color. I like to ask them about their pictures and they come up with funny stories. And, and so I think that that happens every day. (laughs) Yoga might not happen every day. Motherhood happens every day. (laughs) Well, but just being... I think the reminder, just having this conversation with you of, of being present with, again, the simple things, something like sitting down to play a game. I mean, this is this is something that, I, that I'll do with my kids from time to time. I'm reminded of the, the simple beauty of even just the conversation that happens while we're playing a game. We'll play, my kids are a little bit older, 16 and 13, and so we'll play poker, for example, and we really love playing, um, I, I love in particular playing with them, whether it's that game or maybe something else where it creates time and space for conversation because it's a game that we can play simultaneously have conversations or joke around or laugh about this thing or that and there is something so therapeutic about it just sitting at the table and playing a game together and being together you don't have the distraction of the phone or the tv screen or whatever it might be you just are there together and i think it's a beautiful thing and and could certainly stand to do even more of it so i i I really love that Sure. Same here. Same here. It's a continual challenge, even to myself. It's a very convicting thing. Like these are the moments that life are made of. This yeah. is, this really is the moment. Hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's really, really good. I, so as busy as your life is, do you have time to read? Is there a particular book and that, that maybe you've even read or listened to as of late that you would say is one of the most impactful? So 
earlier on in our marriage, and this has been a while, but it's definitely still the most impactful book that I've ever read. <laughs> and I mean, I do read lots of stuff, especially with business, of course. But when it comes to the number one thing that's impacted us, I want to say it's um, Gary Thomas. Okay. And his book is called Sacred Marriage. And the premise of the book is this, what if God designed marriage to make us holy, not happy? And that is a tough, and it is the road less traveled. It is not a happy, clappy book. Hmm. It is not one that you jump up and down and go tell your friends down the street, you need to read this book. But based on, so when I read that book, you know, I had no idea the depth of the struggles and the challenges and the different storms that we would weather together as a married couple, as a military family, and then later with health stuff and special needs. And the follow-on book is also just as good. It's called Sacred uh, Parenting. And so the idea really is that we are being transformed through this process of relationships and that there are parts of us that can be made whole and more holy and sanctified through the process of interacting with other, you know, people in our life. And the number one, the people that we spend the most time with, our spouse and then our children. And so that's always stuck with me. And I think it's helped ground me. And to be honest, I don't know, you know, where we'd be if I didn't have that perspective on marriage or on parenting because it's great to say it's all wonderful and it is. And there's so many wonderful, beautiful moments, but there's also struggle and challenge and, and storms. And that, that one has definitely impacted us. And, and not just us. If you look back again, the big picture view, see how that book impacts our children because we're committed to each other. We're committed to parenting the way we feel in our heart that represents our heart and our faith. And then who knows how that will impact them and their children and their children's children. It's a legacy. So I love the book. It's a great, it's not a happy clappy book, but it's one that's really, really good. And and I think you, and maybe in passing kind of alluded to this already, but again, to play a little bit of devil's advocate, you, you kind of created this distinction between sanctification and happiness in a relationship or in a marriage more specifically. Do you think that they're actually mutually exclusive? Do you think that growth and happiness can't coexist? Oh, I, I definitely don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think today's world wants the idea of happy. I deserve to be happy. Well, I think happiness is is different than what we go into it thinking, right? So for me, at the end of my day, I'm a living sacrifice. I've poured out, you know, my body for my kids or my family. But at the end of the day, that is what makes me happy. Mm. That's the most wonderful thing about my life at this point in this time. And I don't necessarily think I always had that perspective. And I think through going through really tough times and struggles and saying, if I can only hold one thing in my hand, I want to be able to hold that I've been able to serve with joy. Like I can serve my family with joy. And so sometimes I have to let other things fall and then just go, I have the grace and the strength to serve them with joy. That makes me happy. And that's the most important thing. Not all the other things that I could chase that seem to make you happy, Mm. but don't make you happy. Yeah. I, you mentioned that that phrase deserve to be happy. And that is an ideal that is thrown around a lot in pop culture these days. And, and regardless of anyone who's listening, what, what their worldview is, I think, I think there is a, just a sense of a really strong sense of entitlement and ultimately ego that drives that mentality. And I think it's honestly, it's a bit of a misplaced one. It's not that I disagree with the idea that we should live a happy life and do those things that we know are going to, of course, not only make us happy, but make those around us happy. I think that's, that's really what you're getting at here is the focus on others. But this notion that we deserve to be the the entitlement mentality, I guess, very simply is I think where we get into a lot of trouble and that can translate not only to our business, um, but also to our personal lives. And I, man, that's a, that's a deep, dark hole that we could spend multiple (laughs) podcasts on. But uh, I, I love that, that you mentioned that. And I had to speak to that. Uh, but the the focus on others, and I was just mentioning, I was I was actually meeting with Haley, who edits our podcast earlier today, and 
I was talking about how it's interesting. I'm hearing this that more conversation, at least on the podcast, as of late, more of a focus on this idea of serving our clients. And you know, as much as in the past, I've heard so much conversation around this idea that we as photographers are artists, and it's about us putting our work into the world, and and that people will be drawn to it instead of that kind of self-centered mentality. The idea that we certainly develop our abilities as artists, but then focus with that talent, that ability on serving our clients. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a focus there on the other person, on the other people, our clients versus ourselves and making that the, that service the priority. I, I love that kind of shift that I'm hearing, at least a little bit of. And I hope that our industry continues down that route. And it sounds like that ideal is what these these books are um, or at least part of what these books are talking about. So we'll certainly link to those in the show notes. And I appreciate you sharing sharing those with us. Talk to us a little bit about your photography business. How long have you been in business as a photographer? And maybe a little bit about how you got started. Sure. I began, I officially launched my business last year. So I haven't been in business a really long time. But, and then that all started the whole journey really began when I asked for a camera as a push gift (laughs) when my baby was born, my littlest one was born. And so my husband went and got me a Canon rebel. I love that little camera. It's such a good camera. (laughs) Do you still have it as a, as a token of uh, remembrance, if you will? Oh yes. And when I coach people, I tell them this is a great starter camera. Like go ahead and get yourself a Canon Rebel and I'll help you, you know, I'll teach you how to use it. And I actually even teach them just get a used one because if you know that you love photography, you're going to want to invest in your lenses rather than, you know, a brand new, you know, save 200 bucks and go get a portrait lens, for example. So that's kind of how that happened. But I have to back up because I worked initially in theater and performance art and traveled and performed and worked with photographers, but on the other side of the camera and also worked in film. So that creative collaboration and learning about stories and just that synergy that happens is a very, um, gosh, it's just an amazing experience. It's almost addictive in its own way. And the honor of sharing the story, which it always got to me. It always did. And, and the characters that I would play like Anne Frank or someone who was a real person in history, you know, talking about Tuskegee Airmen, for example. So just these really neat Helen Keller, these amazing characters that you could bring to life and share their stories. So when I transitioned into motherhood and I got a camera and I learned, oh my gosh, this is really hard. I don't know how to use this thing. So I started taking classes and then I just thought, you know what? I really need to keep practicing so I can get better. But my boys at that time were really wiggly. So that was not a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to borrow other people. Like, hey, I need it. You know, let's, let's practice. Let's get together. And so I put my name out there in our community in our Facebook group there when we lived at West Point. And I just connected with the most beautiful people. And I learned that they have these incredible stories that they need to tell that I could tell. And so from the very first session, that was just a practice session. I thought, I thought to myself, I've got to get a blog up eventually, which I finally did this week as a part of my rebranding process. And I need, this is compelling me. It was like a divine spark, something caught on fire when I started meeting these beautiful people and finding a way, because I was working for free, to give back to my community, to to connect with people because I felt fairly isolated at that time in my life. And it was just so meaningful for me. And that's how it all began. And then just in that space, the business grew. And that's, it's kind of a thing that grew very organically for me. And I love one of the gals on your podcast. She said to find your niche, to fill it and to kill it. Mm. And honestly, that just happened very organically because I'm a military spouse, military kid. Mm -hmm. And then I connected with these families. I had the honor of sharing their stories. And when I would go into that session, because I understood a lot, like I said, about the struggle, the trials, the storms that they faced, maybe it was infertility, or maybe it was deployment, or maybe it was PTSD or combat related injury. You know, maybe it was families or couples who spent a lot of time apart. And just the fact that they can come to the session together, committed Mm. as a unit, 
that in and of itself was something that I found amazing and beautiful and something that we need to celebrate. So we'd come into these sessions with that sacred space is what I call it with empathy, with compassion, with honor for the journey. You know, they, some of the families that I've worked with, even lately, they'll say, you're our fourth photographer in the last six years or six photographer in the last four years. And, and then you're thinking, oh my goodness, wow. Can you imagine just all the moves and all the transitions and having to get used to someone else? So the fact that they've reached out to me, is a big deal. And I want this to be the very best experience that they've ever had. And I want them to say, she's our girl. And I'm going to call her next time and next time and next time until one of us has to move. You know, so, and then they tell their friends and that's how you kill the niche because it was a very organic experience. And so far that's been working. But what your commentary reminds me of, of an episode that we just recently published uh, with Larkin Kendall. And we talked about the significance of empathy. And again, playing on this idea that I just commented on a couple of minutes ago, the importance of prioritizing the service of the client, focusing on them, what best meets their needs you're able to bring a certain level of empathy to those sessions, understanding what it's like to be a military spouse. And you're able to empathize with them and translate that empathy to the way that you're capturing their lives through these portraits. And I think that's really, really beautiful. Does that somehow then tie to tie into your brand position and kind of the niche like you were talking about that you've created with your business? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, it just happened very organically. And then you know, when I first started in the business, I had something on my website where it said, you know, ask about military specials. But before that, even just in my bio, I did think it said MILSPO, like I said, a little code there. And then, or I said a service member spouse and folks that are military would pick up on that. And mm. they're the first people to hire me. That's cool. And I think that's because of that rapport. And there's this level of trust, like we're in this together. We're in this much bigger battle than most people are aware of. And you've got my back and I've got yours. So yeah, it happened really organically, even there when I started with weddings. And then as I've understood and grown and learned in the idea of brand marketing, again, that's part of who I am. It is part of my niche. And we'll we were talking about that. But now as I put that out, I find I'm attracting that client and they're coming back. So there are photos. Now I'm a little bit less apprehensive. Like there is a photo of my husband and I in uniform on the website now or on some of my social media. But it took me a little while to get to that place to say, okay, this is who I am. And the right people are going to reach out to me because of this mm. and, and just trust the process. So um, it's not something I need to hide. It is something about who I am. And and honestly, I don't know that I ever really should have been super concerned, but it was just, you know, I went through some difficult or dark times and, and kind of maybe fell into my shell a little bit more. And, sure. and so now I'm just like, okay, this is who I am. And I'd love to work with you. And yeah, you bring, you fill that sacred space with empathy and with respect for the journey. And even with weddings, you know, most people don't realize that a lot of the military couples, they've spent a lot of time apart during their engagement or courtship. And the wives, they're going to be leaving their home, their family, their friends. And maybe one of the hardest things is leaving their career. And I've, I've faced that. And so however I can support my clients, I do. I mean, I've got some clients, I'll send them like job postings and ideas about career exploration, just because I know how hard it is to be a military spouse. Yeah. So yeah, it's all about meeting their needs and connecting with them. Well, and we're going to come back to this topic of branding here in just a little bit and how that ties to our strengths. How do we, first of all, understand our strengths and then tie that to the process of a developing a brand and ultimately a brand position as well. We'll come back to that here in just a little bit, but talk to us a little bit about the toughest lesson that you've learned as a business owner so far. And I've been kind of reminding our listeners as of the last two or three episodes in particular, the significance of this question really is ultimately for, especially for those listening in who've maybe not been in business for a very long time, or if you have, maybe this is just going to be a, a good reminder, but hopefully be able to avoid maybe a mistake that that you've made, Michelle, or at least a tough lesson that you've had to go through along the way. If you wouldn't mind sharing that with with us, with our listeners, I'd love to hear your perspective. Sure. This is a big theme and something I've been reflecting on a whole lot in this season. I think the number one thing that I've realized is to be successful as a business owner with 
photography. I have to look at my business as a CEO of my company more than a worker bee. So I have a great work ethic. I work hard, but that's really not enough. And I've had to shift my thinking. And in doing so, I found that the pace that I run my life is different than other people. And that's okay. You know, I may next year, I'm, I'm only taking about 14 weddings because that's, that's the pace that works well for us and, my, and for our life. And as someone who wants to build a sustainable business model, that's, that's my limitation. That's where my sweet spot will be, where I can still love on and care for my family, have enough energy to serve them with joy and have time and energy left over to serve in the other places I want to serve. And then the other thing is I just looked at the big picture view to build a sustainable business model, look at things strategically in terms of resources, both time and energy focus, and even financial. I decided to outsource my editing for sure. All of my galleries, like pretty much from now on, they they're going over to photographers edit. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) At least two to three days back of my life for every single wedding. And when you shoot almost 30 weddings, how many days is that? That's a hundred days in a year that I got back. Right. And so that was huge. And I have to jump in right there because, you know, one of the question, one of the points of conversation that comes up a lot when, when it comes to this idea of outsourcing, editing is the cost. And and the only thing that's really actually being considered when photographers talk about the cost is the actual monetary cost. What they're not considering is the time cost, which of course has a monetary effect on their life. When you do shoot as many as 20, 30, even 40 weddings a year, the time cost associated with shooting that many weddings when it comes to editing is just mind-boggling. And um, to be able to get that many days back in your life, not only to give to your yourself, to your family, to your friends, and then ultimately to your business as well, is just it's the value is really almost unspeakable. And I love that you lend that perspective. Absolutely, you know, I even did the cost benefit analysis. You know, I'm much um, a little bit of a nerd, so I said if I make this much money per year, this is how much I make per month and per week and per day per hour. And then I just looked at the math and I said, this is crazy. It costs less to send this to photographers edit than it does to pay myself. You know, it really when you look at the numbers, not only that, the time that I have back, I can invest in things that will propel the business forward. And that's what I mean by looking at your resources, your time and um, your energy and your focus. Those are some huge resources. So I did that. And then I also started an associate program. And this is to really give me back that time and space to pace ourselves in this life so I can build a sustainable model. So I may find a great couple. I connect with them, but I'm outside of their price point. But I have an amazing military spouse who's been working with me for quite some time. I've trained her up and she just shot this wedding for me Sunday while I spent time with my family. That's awesome. Beautiful, you know, and then Amy, um, the gal that's working with me now, she's got an even greater skill set. So when we work together again, it's going to go even that much better. And when she does weddings on her own, it's going to go that much better. So I still have bills to pay. I still have overhead. And yes, I've got to deal with that. But this is one way I can do it, but also have both. So I did that. And then I also realized, of course, I love coaching and teaching and mentorship and development. Those are part of my top strengths and how I'm wired. But what I ended up doing, and I wish I'd done this sooner, is I launched an apprentice program. And so I'm working with another military spouse, and she wants to start a business in photography. And so I'm mentoring and coaching her, and she's coming on to the weddings and assisting. She helps keep track of time. She's fantastic at that. And she's so helpful. She runs around the scenes and does everything behind the scenes. She even carries my bag. I love her. And, you know, that's 22 pounds. And I... I don't weigh that much. So that's a lot for me to carry around <laughs> eight hours a day. Yeah. And the most beautiful thing is I'm not just investing. I'm in, I'm investing in her. She's growing and she's learning. But the next day I'm not as tapped out mentally and physically because we really work together as a team. So all of these things together help propel me forward. And I have to say, I wouldn't be in this place if I wasn't listening to this podcast because it was the other, especially the moms. Gosh, you have shared your stories with tears in your eyes and your struggles and your your storms and your realizations and your aha moments. And then you course corrected 
So I want to say thanks to all those moms who shared what they went through because it's helped me say, you know what? I can do things different. Hmm. I don't have to do it like everybody else. I can say I'm not shooting 30 weddings and I'm still going to be profitable. And this is going to be a sustainable business model. I am taking a month off in July this year, or August this year. I'm not shooting over Christmas. Wow. And when I put my family first and let that be fueled from my faith perspective, it will work out and it is working out. It's beautiful. So I've been just so inspired by the folks here and those were some tough lessons, but I'm learning course correcting and I'm looking forward to things getting better and better. Well, you referred to this, that the phrase, the big picture view a number of times now, and this is something that we've talked about on the podcast quite a bit. So I love that you're focusing on that perspective of the kind of the overarching goals that drive your day-to-day activities um, we've also talked on the podcast about a book called The E-Myth or E-Myth Revisited that helps with this perspective of looking at your business as a CEO and not, as you said, a worker bee, which is a tendency I think that a lot of photographers have. And, and I'm still guilty of it uh, in some ways, at least from from time to time, working for my business versus on my business and mm-hmm. and looking kind of focusing on the bigger picture and learning how to continuing honestly to learn how to to de- delegate effectively to my team for the sake of furthering the business and and that of course enables us to be able to build a sustainable business too because we will burn out if we're trying to do it all right. on our own so right. there's some mentalities associated with being a CEO um, that I think for those of you listening in if you're still kind of curious what that even means or how to build a business model that supports that notion, um, check out the E-Myth Revisited. It's the most recent. There's the E-Myth and the E-Myth Revisited. We'll link to it in the show notes. Um, It's certainly a great resource for building a a scalable business, a sustainable business. And it's really important to maintain that mentality in order to, first of all, not burn out, but ultimately have a life that goes beyond just running a business. So I I love your perspective, Michelle, and I really appreciate you sharing that. I also appreciate you listening to the podcast. and, And I'll echo what you said you know, thanking everybody who's come on here to share their perspective and what they've learned along the way. I think that's one of the biggest value adds of this podcast is just hearing everyone's story, their perspective, what they've learned, and and we can take and learn from that. So I think that's really, really wonderful. Let's go ahead and just dive into this topic because it's a big one and and we've got kind of limited time today. But there is this idea of strengths-based leadership that you shared with me as we were getting ready for this podcast interview. And you know, the, the natural first, I guess, response to that, especially when it comes to photography, is what does leadership even have to do with photography? So I'd love to, first of all, get your take on on this idea of strengths-based leadership, what it actually means, and tell us a little bit about where you learned about this concept in the first place. Sure. Yeah, this is such a meaty concept. And me being the nerd that I am, I'm going to have to dial it back. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> And I will say for those of you listening in too, we're going to tie this all into the idea of yes. developing a brand. So this is yes. very much relevant to photography. But let's start with this idea, strengths-based leadership. Talk to us a little bit about how you were first exposed to the idea and then how that relates to being a photography business owner. For sure. So the very first time I heard about strengths-based leadership, I was actually working at an international university in Lithuania. So I was a part of a student life community development team and my mentor, who's the dean of students, she lifted this idea and trained us to understand and become more self-aware. So we took the strength-based leadership test. We became aware of what our strengths were. And then from there, as a team, when there were really big projects, you would hand them out to us based on where our strengths were. So then we worked more efficiently, more effectively, and more joyfully, to be honest, because we were working out of something that came quite naturally to us. So then when I worked in other jobs, again, in higher education, because that was my background, one of the first things that I did in terms of developing the student leaders who I, was su- who I was supervising or the interns who were working with me, I started again with this concept of what are your strengths and what are the holes in the office? Where can we plug you in based on your strengths? And it was a beautiful process. The folks that did that, they just came away feeling more confident and like they had something truly to contribute. So that's kind of how it all started. And then as far as photography and leadership, I would jump back to that conversation where we're just talking about being a CEO and the, you know, it's kind of, in my opinion, it's a non-negotiable. 
If I'm going to look at my business as a business owner, as a CEO, then I'm the boss. And then if I'm the boss, if I'm in charge, who am I leading? Who am I guiding? Who am I developing? Well, at this point, me, <laughs> right. I've got to lead and guide myself. I need to have a plan. I need to have a leader. I need to have a direction. I need to know that what I'm doing is strategic and is going to make a difference as I move forward and propel my business forward. And so that's why I'm really passionate about this because if you don't, you could just spin your wheels aimlessly and just stay stuck in one place and do the same thing over and over and over, but not really move your business forward. And so that's, that's initially my first response. But the second thing, which is just as important, is the idea that when you look at things from the lens of leadership, you are definitely looking at things. How can I add value to whatever it is? So let's say I went back into higher education in five years from now, and someone looked at my resume and said, oh, you were a CEO of a business. I sure was. And um, then I could tell them all the ways that I grew as a boss or as a leader or as a manager or as a visionary for my business and how that translates into another sector. There are skills that I'm going to learn here doing what I'm doing as the boss babe, if you will, that I may not get those skill sets the same way if I was in a different job just as an employee, just as a worker bee. And so I think that's really important. And so as I add value to myself, then myself, our company, my brand and who I am and what I can offer my client is up-leveled. I am now able to offer even more to my client than if I was just thinking of myself as a good ethical photographer. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just think if you're going to take on the horns and you're going to say, you know what, I am, I'm going to have a successful, thriving photography business, then you need to look at it like I'm a leader. I'm going to add value to, first to myself. So I've got to do professional development. I need to be continually learning, growing, becoming self-aware, working through my strengths so I can strategically move my business forward, not just aimlessly, but have a real target about where you're going to go. And then that translates to the client experience because they're going to see what they experience from you as something different than the, the status quo of working with just somebody else. You know, they're going to know that what you do and how you do it is different and is to a whole nother level because ultimately I want to serve my clients more effectively, more efficiently. And I want them to feel loved and cared for. And that means I need to be very strategic and very intentional. And that means I need to expose myself to the best practice and some of the best ways to do that, to creating systems that are going to work for me and for my client, for example. Then there's a second part of this where Wherever I am in business, even though I'm only in my first full year in business, I'm still two steps ahead of someone, right? I'm two steps ahead of the mom who's using her cell phone camera to take better pictures of her kids. She wants to learn something. So there's always some place where I can give back. There's always a way that I can add value to, again, not just my clients, but then to the community at large and then to my fellow photographers and to the industry at large, because we all have these neat discoveries that we make along the way. And as we share those and as we empower others, it builds them up, but it also elevates our brand and ultimately adds value to who we are and how we work. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> I know it's kind of abstract, but well, it's and me, I, yeah, and I and I laugh only because you you communicated it so eloquently and summed it up so so wonderfully. I think I think the idea of leadership. One of the reasons that it might kind of it may not make sense to a lot of sole proprietor photographers initially is they all they see is themselves, right? They see themselves as kind of the employee of their business, or that they're the photographer of their business. Why do they need to be a leader? They don't have employees. But the reality is that, as you just described, we are interacting with other people in one form or another, and there is an opportunity to be a leader there. Um, so I, I appreciate you building on that idea and sharing the perspective and kind of lending context to the conversation. I also have to lend additional context. We're talking about Strengths-Based Leadership, which is ultimately a book, originally a book <laughs> by uh, Barry Conchi and Tom Rath, if I'm pronouncing the, the names correctly. We'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. But let's let's go ahead and take this then to the notion of branding. How does strengths-based leadership tie into this concept of branding. And again, this may be, for, for a lot of listeners, it may be, it may just seem like a stretch. Like, how are we tying the idea of leadership? I didn't even realize I was supposed to be a leader. And now that makes a little bit more sense. But 
this idea of creating a distinct brand and building a brand in my photography business. I'm not just a photographer, but I'm going to actually build a brand that represents something. How do we tie in this idea of strengths-based leadership or understanding what our strengths are to the notion of branding or rebranding? And maybe you have, uh, you actually shared five different steps with me ahead of time. Can you share those with our listeners? Sure. Yeah, all of this really was born out of my rebranding process when the gal, um, Britt Michelle, who was working with me on my rebrand, she started asking me questions about my business and about how I work and about the client experience. And because I don't have a background in marketing or even in business, I was searching for a vernacular for how to respond. And and when this lens came back through, which I was filtering everything through from a strengths-based perspective, I was able to answer her questions and she would say, my goodness, this is great, Michelle, you need to go sit down by a candle and journal all this stuff out and you need to get this on your website because what you're sharing is so authentic and so real and it just represents you and your you as the owner, you and your brand. And so I think a lot of times folks look to the industry and say, well, so-and-so did it for them. That must be the way to success. And I don't necessarily believe that. I think we should look to leaders and other folks who are doing great things in industry and learn from them. But I think our roadmap to success is going to be a very particular roadmap as we build our strengths into our niche. Because I could, I can say, look, I work with military couples and families, but I am not the only person that works with military couples and families. But I am the only person that works with military couples and families with my unique set of strengths. So if I can harness my strengths and if I can communicate those through my social media, my entire marketing plan, and if I can use that to propel me to be more strategic in the ways I expand my business, it is going to lend me more towards success. So for example, there's a couple of things I could say. I started outsourcing my editing. Okay. So I have a little bit more time in my life. Now that I have more time, one of my strengths is communication, input, empathy, developer, and individuality. So for the communication, if I want to continue growing and expanding my business, then I need to look at places where I can communicate ideas. That's what input is, the collection of ideas. And so this is a perfect example. I'm doing something right now that I absolutely love what I would do for free. And if this enriches someone else's life, it builds, adds value to them and it uplevels my brand. What about development? I'm creating this apprentice program and I'll be launching an e-course at some point here, hopefully next year. And that's another way that I'm moving in my strengths because anyone could be a photographer, but I'm going to take the things that I've learned and translate them into an e-course. And that's going to give me the leader direction for my business, if that makes sense. So I'm moving myself very strategically to continue. I'm not going to pace myself like everybody else doing 40 weddings a year. I'm doing something else based on my unique set of strengths. And all of that becomes a part of my brand. Even, you know, like I said, sharing that I'm a military spouse. Well, not just that. Other people can say they're a military spouse or work with military couples. But I have a set of with empathy as one of my top strengths. I want to showcase empathy anywhere I can. So when I get back reviews that say, Michelle's the most calm, positive force she is, she's more than a photographer. She becomes a part of your family. She connected with us like a part of her family. And she's, it's not about the beautiful images. It's about having someone who's a calm and positive force with you on what could be a chaotic day. Boom, right out of the park, home run score. That, that review is the one that's going on my social media. That's the first one because it shows my strengths. Then if the families or the couples that want someone like that, they're going to see that in my social media, in my marketing plan, and they're going to be the ones that reach out to me. It's going to come back full circle. And that's what leads to success. That's what builds on the momentum and both shows me how to work more efficiently without spinning my wheels, trying to figure out what marketing plan is going to work and also shows me how I'm going to expand my business. So I, this, these ideas make sense. We're talking about how to actually play on our strengths for the sake of beginning to build a brand or at least to get some exposure. But um, I really want to get into 
kind of the five steps to yes. building the brand itself, because those listening in are probably at this, at this point, their curiosity has been peaked. I mean, they're, they're understanding better what it means to be a leader in their business. And they're beginning to understand this idea of playing to their strengths. I mean, it's a, it's a relatively common idea to talk about building a brand or at least trying to live a life anyway, that's based on your strengths to focus in on our strengths. But how do we practically apply that then to this process of either building a brand or let's say, for example, our listeners don't have a really clear and distinct brand position. We talk about brand position a lot on the podcast. And the reality is that a lot of photographers haven't thought a lot through what a brand position actually is. How do they play on this idea of their strengths in order to practically develop a brand that stands apart from the rest. Perfect. So the very first part, and there's five steps, and the very first step is the intake. And it begins with self-awareness. It begins with journaling activities. So, and I'll make this available for your listeners. Um, So the journaling activity concerns these questions. And some, like you said, some people know the answers and some people don't, and that's okay. But the main thing is to start thinking about these things as you're building your business or as you rebrand. So number one, what is your brand position? You know, what's working? What is your marketing plan and what's working? What's not working? And what I mean by that is where do you have the most engagement and where does that engagement translate into bookings? And then another really big question to ask, do you feel like you're attracting your ideal clients? If so, How do you know that? And then another thing is the clients that do come to you, do you feel like they value your approach? And then out of that intake and going through those questions, the last question you want to ask yourself is, are you willing to make whatever steps it takes to implement these next things based on what your self-discoveries are? So you've got the self-discovery and then you've got some next steps. Are you willing to take those next steps? Because it does take a little bit of work, right? We have to actually, I I know it's easy. And and again, I'll speak for myself as well. It's easy to go the, what, what feels like the simplest route or the route, which takes the least amount of effort when it comes to running our business. I mean, we could just start taking pictures and we happen to get some business and we continue to build on that momentum. And that's nice. But the reality is that our business will never go as far as it could if we're not willing to actually think through our why and then actually implement that in our business as a, as a brand position and a marketing or and marketing and business plan. So we, we have to be yeah. willing to commit to a bit of work here. And that's yes. just the reality. But I have to ask you one question. One of the questions in that intake process is what is your brand position? Is that not really the, the question that we're part of the question we're trying to answer through this process? So that's a really good distinction to make. So for me, like I could say my brand position is I work with military couples and families. Well, so does a lot. So do a lot of other people, but how do I stand out as the premier photographer who works with couples and military couples and families? So that's why it's a part of it, but it's not the end all. Got it. So we're starting with like kind of a, like I'm here right now, but how do I create even more distinction within that? Because a lot of photographers, for example, when I asked that question about brand position on the podcast, I've had, I don't know, two or or three answers that we hear most commonly. One of the most common, for example, is that I focus on relationships with my clients. Well, the reality is that a lot of photographers these days, this is not a new concept anymore. A lot of photographers focus on relationships with your clients. That's like saying I'm, I'm, I focus on good customer service or I provide a quote quality product, right? These are all what have become kind of cliche phrases at this point. That's really not a distinct brand position. So I think what you're saying makes sense. Now you're saying we're, we're assessing where we're at right now. And then how do we build on that? Or how do we create more distinction in that? Absolutely. You said it great. Just like that. (laughs) Okay, perfect. So we start with the intake process. And like you said, we'll make this available for our listeners. We'll link to in the show notes as well, but step two, then take us to that if you will. Sure. Using the Strengths Finder book by Tom Rath, the next step is to assess. So when you purchase their book, you will get a code to the assessment and you'll do that assessment and then you want to print it out and keep it for yourself. And that's the big aha, like, wow, I didn't even realize, you know, these are my strengths. That's amazing. When you see it printed out, it's just beautiful because no one else, statistically speaking, is going to have your top five strengths in the order that you have them, which truly means who you are and how you do business is 
definitely unique. Hmm. And if you can harness that, you can build momentum inside your brand position. So you can stand out inside that niche because you, like I said, for me, I found my niche very organically, but how I filled it is because I have empathy. There's so much empathy along my journey and connection is a big one for me. Empathy and connection individuality is a big one for me. So I love the uniqueness of everyone's story and their journey. It's just a beautiful thing. I am so intrigued by that. My husband's like, this is why people love you so much because you get so excited about their stories. And I'm thinking, doesn't everybody, but that the reality is that's, that isn't everybody. Mm. So how do I harness that in my marketing plan? How do I put that out there? So on my website, it's, you know, one of the specific things I put in my video was I care about your details. I care about your story. I care about your vision. I want my clients to hear that because that isn't what they hear everywhere. They don't hear that everywhere. So that's what makes me stand out. So then you're going to move to step three, and this is so important. And this takes a lot of time, like you said, and commitment um, to reap the best benefit in step three, which is your journal activity. You've got to set time aside to do journaling for self-discovery, taking time away, enjoying this process and the detailed journal prompts look like this. Now that you know your strengths, how might this impact your approach to marketing? So backing up, if who we are and what we put out in our marketing plan is what we're going to attract back. And if who we attract to us is the kind of client who wants or needs what we have to offer, then how might the strengths that I possess impact clients' experience with me? Or how might the strengths that you possess impact your clients' experience with you? How might this discovery propel you forward as you strategize your next steps and ways you might expand in your business? Now, these are pretty, these could be some tough questions for Mm -hmm. some of our listeners, many of us probably. Is this something that in your coaching that you work with photographers on or that you can work with photographers on to kind of help walk them through this process? Yes, yes. I just did this with a sweet girl named Sarah this week. And after she did her strengths finder, she found that she, her main strengths relies, um, ends up in the ideas domain. So while she relates well to people, she's very much an ideas person. And so we kind of went through what was working in her marketing plan. It turns out her blogging has been the most effective thing. So I thought, well, what if we really capitalize on that strength? And I just gave her a lot of practical things. I gave her homework. We debriefed it. We meet several times. And then I have follow-up with her in like a week or a couple months just to see how she's doing. And she has an action plan and just everything that she needs to do between now and the next time we meet. Yes. Well, we'll make sure to to link to um, your contact info, or at least to your website too in the show notes so that our listeners can uh, reach out and contact you if, if they need help walking through this process. But for the sake of time, let's go ahead and go to step four, if you don't mind. Sure. So the next step is the strategy session. So it is discussing all the discoveries from the journaling or me helping them walk through some of those discoveries and the process of assessing and journaling, or you could use a trusted friend, you know, or like a mentor, but then brainstorming ideas that need to be made. Um, I'm sorry, brainstorming the changes that need to be made in the business and in particular in the marketing strategy. And so how you're going to implement these ideas and strategies in like the next month, in the next several months, six months down the road. And then really the last thing is to, to evaluate your effectiveness. You just go back, you set time aside to review the challenge, all the changes that you made and the progress you made towards your goals and you reward yourself for those things. You set goals for new goals with a friend or with a strategist or someone like me. And then you go back to the drawing board with step one with, you know, what's working. Like I said, what's working in your marketing plan, what isn't working. And then you just repeat this process. And one really good thing to do is to go back to the book and reread those strengths from time to time. And then work again, just from that lens of how do I use this to to propel me inside my niche, inside my brand positioning inside this market. 
Well, and I think it's really important to note too that in that process of strategizing and goal setting that you can't, you need to take the time to actually break those goals down. If you write down really big goals that could take, you know, months to accomplish, for example, you're going to want to break those goals down into multiple steps. And, and I liken this to something that we've talked about quite a bit here on the podcast, which is the difference between projects and tasks. Mm-hmm. You have to understand that a project takes multiple steps to accomplish. And if you just write the project down, clean the garage, for example, or build a house, you know, we, you could list any number of possible ideas here. But those projects that take multiple steps and potentially quite a bit of time they become a lot less overwhelming and a lot more manageable and we're less likely probably to to um, kind of put them off if we can then break them down into smaller steps mm-hmm. or tasks. So when you set those goals, take the time to then break each of those goals down into multiple steps that you can accomplish in a day or in a week and it makes it a lot more manageable and attainable and a lot less overwhelming. I think that's a really important point. Mm-hmm. And then that ultimately enables you to more effectively also look at the effectiveness as you're make as you're implementing those things in your business you can go back and track them in detail and right. see at what stage you make you implement elements of those changes um, you can look at what what how that actually benefits or doesn't benefit the business and um, right. you can you can make that assessment in great detail I think that's important to note as well so uh, this is such a loaded topic and I hate to cut short for the sake of time but um, I know that our listeners are going to be able to not only refer to, to this resource after the fact, we'll link to it in the show notes, uh, but then as well, Michelle, they'll be able to reach out to you as well. So yeah. do you mind sharing where our listeners can find you online, your website and social media as well? Sure. The very best place is through Instagram because <laughs> it's just so easy. It's like having my friends in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, just DM me there in the link tree. There are links to um, my YouTube video or the YouTube channel, which by the way, those workout happy, I have a channel called workout happy that I subscribe to. So all those things that I was talking about earlier, the crazy workouts and Caroline Williams, the yoga instructor, all that's on my YouTube channel. So um, that's linked there, the website. So Michelle Ray Photography, it's Michelle, the underscore Ray underscore photography. And that is on Instagram and the Michelle Ray Photography on Facebook and online as well. And then, yeah, MichelleRayPhotography.com, correct, for your website? Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Well, again, I know that we touched on a loaded topic here and I hate to rush through something, especially as so significant as this and so big as this, but I know that our listeners will be able to follow up with you and further conversation after the fact. And so again, we'll link to these resources in the show notes for those of you listening in Boca podcast, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. Really take the time. I encourage you to take the time to consider some of the ideas discussed here today, not only the significance of understanding your strengths, Uh, but ultimately how you can utilize those strengths for the sake of leadership and then ultimately building a brand too, which are big, big, big topics in and of themselves. But Michelle, I really, really appreciate you making time to share with our listeners today here on the Boca Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. It's been so much fun and I love helping folks. So let's connect. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com dot com.